Hello and welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Town, a 2000 emo pop and pop punk retrospective. And welcome to our one year anniversary. I'm as always Elaine and we meet there is another old person. Wasn't here to start with, but I'm still here to continue, Sybil. Weren't you here to start with? That's a question of philosophy that I don't feel like either of us is qualified to tackle. Hmm. And given that Adam is once again unavailable today, Sybil, off the top, top five Adams that we can get to replace our Adam. Levine, Lambert, uh, let's see, who else? Coleman. Adamson, and just to do a left-field swerve, Ray. I know about two of those. Great. One of those is the localized version of a Canadian Gundam character. (laughs) Of course it is. Why didn't I assume that earlier with you? What are we doing today? Is Is it like a really special episode where we discuss something extremely interesting to celebrate one year that we've been doing this? No, in fact, it's the thing that I was worried would happen one year ago. We get to episodes like The Starting Line, Say It Like You Mean It. Yeah, I mean, this is not bad. It's competent. No, this is another one of our slump albums that are just not doing anything interesting. However, it is right before something that promises to be fascinating or a train wreck, so you just have to make it this week and we've got plans for you folks. Is it My Chem next week? Yep. My Chem, My Chem. The first album of My Chemical Romance is not that good, but more interesting than this, surely. Yeah, even if it sucks, I feel like we're going to have something to talk about. Yeah. The start of the starting line was a 1999 AOL Directories post, wherein Mike Gala, a guitarist, and Matt Watts, a guitarist, decided to start a band and needed to find people that could do non-guitar things with them. So this led to finding a bassist, Kenny Vasoli, who would also sing, I guess he had talents outside of his fingers, and Tom Greiskiewicz, who would show up on drums. Finally, a full starting lineup was founded. But they called themselves Sunday Drive. Yeah, just to uh, specify, Tom joined later, but not through AOL. Also, uh, they were all like 14 to 17 at this time of the world. So that explains why everyone was on AOL. Hey, I'm sorry. 
Did you say how Greiskowitz was brought into the band that wasn't online? Uh, no. Why? Because they just met him at a restaurant. <laughs> okay. I just found that in another tab right now. That's that's a pretty good one. I I, I wasn't alive. When, well, I was alive when I You uh, were definitely there, alive was, at this point. <laughs> but I wasn't aware of the internet. Oh, I did have an AOL account prior to AOL Instant Messenger being a thing. I don't actually think AOL was a thing in Europe. I'm not sure. It was America Online, so I can see how it might not have been. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, no. No, AOL wasn't a thing. <sighs> Remember when it was so big that it bought Time Warner and then had to get out of that merger because it lost value and money so instantly? I remember there was an AOL Time Warner thing. Wasn't that the reason why WCW died? Yep, because they overruled Ted Turner and the Time Warner faction. <laughs> it's funny to think that AOL killed WCW with such like a 2000 sentence. And it's incredibly funny to think that TNA Impact Wrestling was too good for Billy Corgan, <laughs> and we found out they were right. The 2000s and the 2010s were wild. The, TNA now is like a real, like, company again. <laughs> I know. They became something worth looking at. It's wild. TNA is putting on better shows than WWE. I mean, everyone is putting better shows than WWE. Like, TNA at its worst was putting better shows than WWE, let's be honest. Not at its worst. <laughs> I mean, more entertaining shows at least. I remember the time that Sting got pissed off at a drunken hearty and just no-sold the main event, crushing a man. No, that was not but good. But that, that, that got people talking at least. Because he didn't want to die, he no-sold the show. Anyhow, shall, shall we talk about the starting line? Yeah, let's go back in time again. Speaking of things from the 2000s, did you remember mp3.com? I didn't. I do. Because AOL and mp3.com were what helped push them online to this new world of e-promotion. I don't remember mp3.com specifically, but mentioning the site just brings to mind that typical like 2000 aesthetics of like internet ads where you would have like circuitry to represent the internet and you would have this early CG-like stuff going on. So now I'm happy because I'm thinking about that. I want you to know that I very nearly just called this band E-Boys, thanks to that. <laughs> I mean, sort of the 2000 equivalent of that, I guess. Like, frosted tips are whatever... Is the 2000 equivalent of whatever E-Boy fashion is nowadays, so... I can see that. E-boy fashion is dressing like Riku from Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, you're not wrong. Speaking of a lot of names that are going to be real past-focused, so AOL and MP3.com promotion got them noticed by indie label We The People Records, and they recorded an entire album worth of material as Sunday Drive, but they had to change to the starting line because it turns out Sunday Drive was already a Christian band's copyright. We the People Records never put out a record for them, because halfway through this process, drive through records, known arbiters of taste and good decisions, decide 
We want to swoop in and get you to the big leagues, kids. Drive to record was basically like getting on like every single fucking pop punk band that sounded like Blink at the time, apparently. And again, it's one of those things that kept them alive in the zeitgeist and has rendered them almost forgotten today. Like, what's Drive-Thru doing today? I mean, Drive-Thru, Drive-Thru is dead, right? I don't think Drive-Thru, Drive-Thru was closed. Um, Drive-Thru Records came to an end in 2008. Much like the Criterion Collection, they labeled every one of their releases. But here's a fun statement on how they were doing by the end. Two numbers got used twice somehow, 74 and 77, and then they skipped 80 and 82, ending with 83, Houston Calls, The End of an Error. Huh. Well. So, the scrapped We the People Records album becomes an EP for drive through and will then be followed by this album, a full-length LP, Say It Like You Mean It, which is advice they could take, really. Initially, this record was scheduled to be recorded after their 2002 tour, probably around 2003, but uh, the singer Vasoli ends up contracting Mono, which leads to the cancellation of the tour, and uh, yeah, they just decide to record, because if they're not touring, what else they're gonna do? So, can I just tell you that I can never hear someone has Mono without thinking of the time that the Jets just continued to become a meme in American football via the graphics announcing who they had that wouldn't be playing for half a season. I know nothing of American football, so please continue and describe this funny incident, oh, I have but to, I don't... I have to find this graphic. This is amazing, because this would play animated every week for a whole season. And this is what they put up on the television. Look at that. Look at that graphic. Just imagine seeing that every time. <laughs> I mean, this is, uh, you should describe this for the audience because some people listen to us in audio form and are not are not just like here in our Slack channel, in our um, Discord so channel. So if you do not remember the Sam Darnold saga, this man is incredibly cursed, still with the Jets, continues to barely play every season, and for half of a year... There was just a graphic that ESPN would put up, which just has him facing you and doing that action guy stare and pointing directly at the camera with the words, out indefinitely, mononucleosis, right behind him. It's, uh, it's pretty good. I don't know who this guy is, but it's pretty good. It's amazing because every week for months... <laughs> Oh, well. I also remember there was a sign someone pulled up in the middle of a Jets game, which is a woman who covered her face with lipstick and wrote, I gave Darnold mono. <laughs> Anyhow. 
Ah, that's pretty good. Um, but yeah, the record ends up being produced by Mark Trombino, which you can fucking hear in the record. Like, I think the production is really tight on this record. Like, not anything, like, special, but the sound is just, like, very clean and tight and dynamic. And I, I, I want to say that given that this dudes are like 17 year olds at this point. I want to say that most of why I appreciate this record is because probably Mark Trombino had a lot of uh, hand in it. My theory. But yeah, we know Mark Trombino. He produced the fantastic Jim 2 Jimmy It Words record, which we loved. But yeah, the only single released for the record is The Best of Me, which gets two videos. One is DDR themed and the other is... um say anything but not good there is actually a second video uh it's very bare bones it's another one of those band playing in a house while nothing happens videos do you mean a third video well a second song gets a video oh okay yeah that's fair yeah leaving i saw it and it's not really worth mentioning because it's just a generic we're playing songs inside this house that is on the studio back lot. It's ghosts here. But yeah, the best of me actually got some really decent MTV airplay at this point. And um, yeah, the record will have a moderate success. It, it stays for five weeks on the Billboard 200 record charts, peaking at 109. Which is not bad for a debating band on drive through. I was given... A special pittance, which is that I was allowed to bring in 2002 facts for anything that we got really dry with on this episode. So if we need to spice things up on a track, I want you to know I have prepared a variety of facts about culture and some of them video games from the year 2002. Ellie does not know what any of these are, so they will be catching her off guard every time. Welcome to Gotta Get Out of This Open World, a 2002 video games podcast. As always, I'm your host, Sybil, and I'm going to raise my keyblade up because something is glowing above us. <laughs> ah, Sarah! <laughs> Ingredients! <laughs> sea salt ice cream! Every time I see sea salt ice cream, I'm like, that looks delicious. I won't see, see salt ice cream in real life. Gorsh, Donald. Do you think God stays in heaven because he too lives in fear of what he has created? Yeah. <laughs> Is this going to be the whole episode? No. Because I, I, okay. Let's talk about Up and Go. Start with the guitar from What's My Age again. Very chug a chug. 
Yeah, they have a bit of Blink-182 and a bit of Newfound Glory, but I feel they're more Newfound Glory than... Sorry, I feel they're more Blink than Newfound Glory. They don't have that... Aside from a couple of tracks, they don't have that, you know, that going way too hard drumming going on. And it's like... Sort of... They're very Blink. Like, in our file, I call them the starting line 182. So They have... A strong guitar. The guitar is the strongest part of this album. Oh yeah, good guitar. And a competent guitar. I don't even think it's great, but it's very... Very decent pop-punk guitar going on. It's always going to improve things when it's around. The drums exist. They are never a negative, but when they fade out for bits, you're not going to be going, where are the drums? There is one song that I think has really fun drumming, and but we'll get there, which is my favorite song on the record. However, the vocals feel like the they feel like a boy band vocalist is crooning over this most of the time they are the pop punk vocal equivalent of Hugh Laurie's American accent in House okay but would you rather have this vocals or Tom DeLonge vocals Tom DeLonge vocals have character even if I think they're jarring these are ethereal in a bad way that is fair i would describe the singer as like a uh, uh, jason pudnick whatever is the name of the newfound glory singer but with way less charisma yes it's uh they're not they're not awful but they're there right it's like they're i they're not grating in any way but they're also like not they do not improve any song when there, where there's vocals on. No, there really is nothing that is better about the vocals on this. Although sometimes they are a negative. Rarely. I, I don't... Yeah. And then there's the actual lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics are... So this guy had a breakup, clearly, <laughs> before writing the songs. And, uh... The way this album feels, this guy breaks up weekly. Remember when we all joked about Miley Cyrus cycling through men in Hollywood to get something to write about? This is what that sounds like from a man. <laughs> yeah, it's not nice. Also, every time, every time there's like a record that's like so full with breakup songs. And I know that's like a trope of pop punk. And like, yeah, you have to have the bitter breakup songs. It's fine. But when you fill your whole record with them... I just think about Volnikura, which I know it's not fair to compare the starting line with Bjork, but like, there, that record is so good, Volnikura. And, uh, and, and then we have to listen to this. It's okay. Soon we'll get to do the Bjork episode. <laughs> As a treat. Oh, I thought Bjork went pop-punk at some point in the 2000s. That would be interesting. Anyway, let's talk about these lyrics. Like, here is how this album opens. Here it goes, and this won't take long. Just let me dedicate a song to a girl who turned this boy to stone. That's right. It's a boner joke. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Okay, I, I didn't read it that way, but I'm like, you know. That is definitely how I feel. You made me hard, because this is a soft boy album, and it's definitely not You Hardened My Heart. Is it a soft boy album, though? Yeah, it's a soft boy album. You're missing the line that I really like, 
like, quote-unquote, which is, and you know who you are? Here's a hint. She doesn't have a car or the time to be in love with me. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's there's some actual good laughs on this track, but I'm just I saying... Don't know if, I don't it's think a... it's intentional. Like, I don't, I'm not laughing because it's a well-delivered joke. I'm laughing because it's a, such a dumb line. <laughs> oh, they're all very bad lines. <laughs> She doesn't have a car or the time to be in love with me. <laughs> and then the final chunk is just very, you don't have to go, but all you do is up and go, up and go, up and go, don't go, up and go, don't go, up and go. Oh, exhausting. And if he had any gravel, anything to catch on in his voice, maybe I could do something with this. But it's just like a nutrient paste in audio form. I don't know. I think the song is fine. I wouldn't even call it nutrient paste. Like, all of the songs on this record feel... Well, almost all of the songs on this record feel fine. They are solid, competent pop punk. And, uh, yeah, I that is why I think it's a record that's going to be really boring to talk about. Because, in my opinion, I would listen to this record again. I would not be excited about it, but this is very listenable, very solid pop punk that doesn't that is not memorable in any way. It's like you did all of the things right, but you did not excel at any of the things. I think that's really a good description of this starting line album. You did everything competent to write, but not amazingly. Cause I can make fun of the lyrics. I can say the vocals are too sanded down. There's nothing there. But I can't say, you know, it's just really ripping my ears out every time I hear him sing. Yeah, even even the lyrics are like, we've had worse in this podcast. We'd have worse by better bands. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's shitty, but it's like... It does feel a little incelly in places, though, but that was the 2000s. Yeah, it's like shitty and incelly within that, like range that pop punk generally is especially in this era so what you gonna do shall we talk about the extremely tarantino cover of the album oh where she's dangling and she don't even know it <laughs> yeah just those little toesies peeking out from behind the riveted jeans <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm saying this in the most creepy way possible because it feels like a creep camera of some lady's living room. Like, there's no recognition that this is a photo shoot. It's just like, yeah, I posed my feet just how I like them, but you can have some too. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, uh, are we done with up and go? I think we are, unless you've got more. Nah, I'm fine. Then given the chance, let's go on. Just 
Uh, the production is good, by the way, on this song. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, there's a lot of like interesting backing vocal stuff going on with like effects and stuff. It's pretty cool, actually. The guitar is carrying this track. Is it just me or this intro sounds like a punk cover of some Christmas song? It has a very Christmas vibe. Uh, there's a couple of tracks on this which almost seem like they were made for a compilation and shoved onto an album. So if you told me this was, yeah, babe, I'm away from home on Christmas because I got all these fans, and then they quickly cut a verse, I'd believe you. <laughs> I don't know. That intro is just like, that intro feels like Christmas to me, and I don't know why. We need, like, some video essay to explain us why songs sound Christmassy. But yeah, given the chance, it's not great, but once again, it's good enough. Some really good guitar on this one, like, there, it does some interesting distortion, and goes into this, like, interesting, like, rhythm thing, even in the chorus, which is sort of weird and fun. Like, usually in the chorus you just have the wall of sound, but here it continues doing, like, the sort of staccato rit rhythm thing. I don't know. It's a fun song. I barely already forgot that, but it's fun when it lasts. This is an interesting one because a band that is on their first album talking about how they're here to say, yeah, all this time I'm living my dream. It's great hearing the crowd screaming our songs back at us while we perform. How many shows have you gone to where people knew who you were? Yeah, I mean, it's aspirational, right? Uh, it's aspirational. It's just very funny for me to go and think about this for a couple seconds because they can't have been touring very long at this point. This record probably got them some of this, but when you're saying, I guess dreams do come true, this song itself is living proof. No, it's not. <laughs> not yet. That is fair. I mean, unless their dream is to just release a song. I guess we are giving them the chance. I mean, we both paid for this record, right? I mean, I've listened to it on Spotify, so no. Oh, well, in that case, uh, we have ruined them, and this is probably why they don't exist anymore. Yeah. Do they not exist anymore? They put out an EP in 2016, and that's the last thing they did. I'm gonna just go with, they're done. Yeah, given the chance. This is one of the few records where I feel... Really paying attention to the record track to track actually made me like it more. It didn't give me more stuff to talk about because all of the songs sort of sound the same, but I don't know, made me made me appreciate the workmanship behind the record. I think all of the instrumentals are pretty solid, especially the guitar work. So yeah, I think this is a record that can actually like pass you by a bit worse if you just keep it in the background but once i listen to this song by song i'm like yeah the guitar is like super competent for the genre there's some good drumming on a couple of tracks the the vocal melodies are not great but not bad we're not in um we're not in the youth territories where it felt that all none of their choruses landed most of their choruses work for the song. They're just not super memorable. Um, and yeah, again, this is a very solid, like, workmanship-like. Let's make 
a record that's sort of like Blink and sort of like Newfound Glory. It lacks in memorability, which is the biggest problem. It's like, I can recognize all of the effort put in this. I will not remember it tomorrow. <laughs> no. Much like the next song, Leaving, which is about the kind of uh, memories that is actually sort of sounds like a drunken hookup when you listen to it. Leaving is very clearly a breakup song. It's a slower one. Uh, I mentioned there's another video on this album. This is the generic playing in a house track. And it sort of feels like we've talked about how you have to revoke a metaphor from some bands. And when we get to the point that few scenes from my life or moments mean more than our fine night, I remember like yesterday, the time of my life. Let's travel back in time to 1299 at the stroke of midnight, holding you tight, your body and mine, in February. What? What? That's Those are actual lyrics. Right. Let's travel back in time to 1299 at the stroke of midnight. So, I think... So, 12 of February 99? Maybe. But... 1299 is also not February. And if it's saying like 1259 is still not the stroke of midnight, like I'm kind of curious if that's the end of the hour, but that also doesn't work. This whole thing chokes. So, so yeah, okay, so when you read 1299 at the like if you don't read the february line it's like okay they're talking about you know the end of the millennium like 12 as in the stroke of midnight or 12 mm-hmm. as in december could be um yeah but in february which i think they thought it was really clever but it's like not <laughs> it's just very confusing i don't know what they're trying to say in Pennsylvania, in a small cabin, peas grow there in February. Are you really sure that's what you want me to say? <laughs> this is such a... It's a nonsense breakup song, and it doesn't feel like a breakup song, because please leave me without... Please don't leave me without saying goodbye. It doesn't feel very breakup to me. I don't know. It... Okay, so... This is another one of those things where looking at the lyrics makes it nonsense, because it might just be, I don't want this moment to end, except let's travel back in time is said over and over and over. Like, it's gone. The moment is done. (laughs) And also, I just want to point out, I was this age once. I had a lot of very wild breakups. I had a lot of hangups over people 
abandoning me, sometimes stealing a bunch of my shit and fleeing town. I never wrote a whole album about it. I just tell the story and go, man, how fucked up was that? Yeah. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the time one of my exes just showed up outside my job at 5 a.m. sleeping on a bench at like a hobo? You have not. <laughs> uh, she lived in Texas and I lived in California, so it was surprising on a lot of levels. Yeah, like that's that's far away, right? In America, that's like uh, uh, yeah, that's about half the country. Okay. And then later in my shift, she showed up again after she like went to get some sleep, not on a bench, and she was suddenly wearing a Naruto headband. I don't know where she found it. <laughs> but imagine, imagine someone what? who was sleeping outside the building, waiting for you. You open up and like your coworkers see this, and then they show up in cosplay later in the day, and they're still like everyone's just like, mm, "This is your bitch. You did this." That's exactly what I had to deal with. To be fair, if you wrote an album about this, I'd be on board. <laughs> oh, I don't think we'd be bored by it. I don't know that it would be good. I don't know that I'm a great musician, but it's a thought. I mean, just get Mark Trombino to produce it, and you're fine. Work for this band. Also probably true. I'm, I'm sure if you were around during 2002, like, making music, you would have gotten a drive through contract. Everyone gets one. I could at least have done Christian rock. <laughs> I was almost a priest. You, you heard that story. Speaking of, let's talk about the best of me. Tell me what you thought about when you... Isn't like a Foo Fighters song with this name? I don't like the Foo Fighters. That's the best of you, because that's why the Foo Fighters are not selfish lovers. <laughs> well, oh, this is, yeah, this is, this is where it starts getting a bit more emo-ish. There are definitely emo influences, but it's like that Blink-182, just like sad bro emo. It's not actual emo, you know. Ellie, we have to talk about one of the best genius comments we've ever seen. Please. This is the annotation for this song. The best of me is possibly the greatest pop punk song ever written. When initially released, the song received massive airplay on MTV and its legacy carries on. It is considered a landmark in the genre and a blueprint for later bands. Reportedly, Kenny Vasoli wrote the lyrics to the song when he was just 16 and the music much later. Okay, so everything aside from the Kenny Vasoli quote, which, fair, it, it, it sounds like that, to be fair, um, everything else is false. <laughs> everything else is just not true. You know, all those bands who cite hearing the best of me and picking up a guitar. Like Dookie Who. The starting line <laughs> is where it's at. <laughs> this song has some wild videos. Two of them. Yeah, there are two videos. One is DDR-inspired. It's, uh... Justin McElroy dancing on two DDR pads, basically. And getting schooled by children. Mm -hmm. And the other is Bad Say Anything with a bunch of mystic 
black uh, minorities coming up and offering advice to the lead singer. Mm-hmm. It's also pretty bad. However, it does have one good joke, which is the third person to pop up and watch this scenario is the guy who was playing DDR. And when he hears this story, he just says, I don't like you and rollerblades away. <laughs> that is pretty good. That is pretty good because that's my response. There is a continuity to this. Somewhere on the other side of the planet, this man is going to play dancing stage and go, Oh yeah, I look pretty good after skating <laughs> away from this putz. <laughs> yeah. Good on you, chubby guy who's doing every sort of alternative way to lose weight. DDR and rollerblades. It is the best of him. Yeah, and um... So these are the videos. The song is like... I don't have anything else to say about this song that I haven't already said about the other songs. This is a bit emoer, this is a bit mellower, but still. Surprisingly competent guitar work. Pretty tight production. The chorus is fine. And um, nothing super remarkable about it. That's it. That's the song. That's every song on this record. It's fine. This is the most teenage love song on the album mm -hmm. because it is also the most of an era when the whole thing is about, yeah, those times when we would just tie up the phone line and talk for hours because we had nothing to do, but we didn't want to go over to each other's houses. That's it. That's all this is about. <laughs> also... There's one line that I know is pronounced differently in the song, but the punctuation on these lyrics makes it really funny. <laughs> We're sitting on the ground. The next time I'm in town, we will kiss girl. We will kiss girl. <laughs> There's a comma there, guys. There's a comma. <laughs> we will kiss girl is such a great phrase. This just sounds like a Twitter meme now. It sounds like a caveman romance album. We will kiss, girl. Thank you, Genius, for existing. I love when Genius is horrible. Everything is great about this, because this is quite possibly the greatest pop punk song ever written. All right, yeah, that is true. That is true. Everyone remember this song, right? You know what the best thing is? That actually lets me segue into my first incredibly fun 2002 fact did you know that kingdom hearts which debuted this year has outlived three different disney game studios now oh it was created under buena vista games okay which is a thing that does not exist anymore it does not there was the studio that did disney infinity who i forget their name uh they're dead too and there's a current one right now that I think, like, went into production and lost some mobile stuff. Hmm. Yeah, just quick thing. So how long until whatever team is working on the awful, like, Marvel's games just dies? It's Crystal Dynamics, so it's probably going to be hard to kill them. That is fair, but have you seen those games? Like, Oh, ish. they're terrible. But here's the thing. Do you kill that Golden Goose when you've also entrusted them with... Deus Ex, Tomb Raider, and other names that have quite a bit of cachet attached to it, and you still have some of those developers. Let's just have a good night's sleep. Night's 
once again, this has a great genius annotation, and this one actually cites an interview. Do you want to read this or should I? Go ahead. This song was written to Kenny's ex-girlfriend, Karina, and there is a video interview linked here where he tells us this song's about how my ex-girlfriend's a whore. Yay! Classy. <laughs> oh, there are multiple songs about this relationship, and they are... Oh, so bad. Oh, oh yeah. This is real bad, because... The whole act of this song is, I woke up and all of a sudden you were a bitch, girl. It doesn't, it's not even like you cheated on me, which like, okay, like, you know, on the scale of things to be bitter about, sure. No, this is literally just, I woke up and you weren't the same anymore, and I don't like you anymore. So go away. And it's like, dude... <laughs> This is yuppie punk. Like, it's fine to grow out of a relationship. It's fine to not like your partner anymore. I don't know why this makes you so spiteful, though. This song is so spiteful. So angry. It's very weird because, again, he is pretty clear in the interview. Oh, yeah, that bitch. But... The lyrics don't convey that. They make it sound like he just woke up one day and went, God, I can't stand you. And I'm just going to emotionally cut myself off from you and just really kind of like get you out of here without me having to do anything. Yeah, like most of the lyrics are just like, you can sleep in your own bed tonight. I hope for your sake you don't wake up as broken as I am. All I said was good night once again in self-defense. I won't sleep a wink to prevent dreaming of you. Sleep in your own bed tonight. I know someday you'll wake up as lonely as I am. It's, just, it's very weird. She does not do anything in this song. There's no, as you said, you cheated on me. You did me wrong. You said anything terrible. The only f sentence about her is a sudden morning crashed in the room with an uninvited sudden change in you. So it's just like you are different now. That's it. That's the extent of the, the amount that is talked about what she did. Yeah, I woke up and I couldn't stand you. That's it. It's, it's, um, it's a choice and uh, it's not a good one. I can say that. Speaking of choices that were not a good one, in 2002, there was the release of a title that has gone down in infamy and in fact caused the end of a licensing deal with uh, famous biking legend, because BMX Triple X came out. Oh, yeah. Great. Yep. You know, the game that has knockoff Hooters dancers in it as unlocks. That's a thing that was actually put out uncensored on a Nintendo console, because in the GameCube era, they were trying to make you think, no, really, we're for adults. We have Resident Evil 4 and BMX Triple X. I mean, the Switch has straight up, like softcore hentai games I guess on it nowadays yeah but so does my laptop that doesn't make it mature <laughs> that is fair so does my desk I'm looking at two Yuri titles right here yes but you're like a specific case you don't count let's talk about almost there going nowhere keep talking down to me 
yeah, this has some like very newfound glory drums. It's sort of like speedier, it has a nice distorted guitar through it, like the lead guitar has, does this distorted -y thing, which is sort of blink-like. I don't know, it's another competent song. I don't hate this. It's summer jams done quick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyhow, this is another one of those things where it's like, the whole thing revolves around, your life has thus far been a teenager hanging out in a room or maybe being on a phone. That's it. This is the dark version of Best of Me, where it's about a fight instead of, like, really enjoying spending time with you and talking for hours. It's time to say a word. Say it like you mean it. He spoke with a tone of hurt as my eyes rolled back, hoping for the end. One too many condescending battles for a friend. I do like rhyming end with friend. Really, really top-notch rhyming there. So this is another passive-aggressive track because... It's summer vacation, mm -hmm. and you can't stand being around your friend, but you're also too much of a coward to call them out. So the whole plan is, I'm going to go home and stay up so I can call you and tell you to fuck off, rather than just saying you're being an asshole. This was before no one used telephones anymore. Like, could you imagine now preferring to call someone on the telephone to any other means of communication to say to them something that you really feel uncomfortable saying to them? Like, can you imagine just choosing the phone as the mean of communication? I am gonna call this person. This is an album I wish we had Adam here for, just to hear how much of this falls flat for him. Speaking of which, you know what else came out around this time? X versus Sever, Ballistic. Oh, the, the one that got like 300 Game Boy Advance games for some reason? Which were all really good, weirdly enough. Yeah. Uh, no one remembers X versus Sever, by the way. You should explain what that is. <laughs> okay, so there was a movie where Antonio Banderas and Lucy Liu are two crazy good international spies named Jeremiah X and Sever, which is just their code name, and they're fighting over keeping the son of an intelligence operations guy alive and or dead. It's a weird, we're totally not married, more action-oriented Mr. and Mrs. Smith, but... It also got, like, three or four different video game adaptations, including a Game Boy Advance FPS. That was released before the movie was released, because the movie was in development hell for forever, and they had the rights to the game, and eventually they just had to release it. Um, and yeah, the, the, there was another GBA game that was sort of like an overhead shooter, which apparently was also pretty good, that one came out with the film and was more accurate, I think. Maybe I've got the order reversed, but one of them came out before. And yeah, wild stuff. Yeah. X versus Sever used a 3D ray casting engine for the GBA and was really competent as an FPS. It came out first. Then later they put out a game called Ballistic X versus Sever based on the actual script that they filmed using the rights to the characters. Mm-hmm. And you sh like, no one remembers this movie. It was a complete disaster. They remember Roger Ebert's review of it, 
or these two wildly better-than-they-should-have-been GBA games. I wish Roger Ebert re- reviewed the uh, two Game Boy, Game Boy Advance game. I think he'd have fun with them. I think the idea of Roger Ebert trying to work a Game Boy Advance FPS control scheme would be hell. I think it would made for, you know, if Roger Ebert was, were still alive, I think it would made for a, would make for a great Twitch stream. Do you think that if Roger Ebert was still alive, it'd stream on Twitch? I think if Roger Ebert was still alive, he would have really, really worn out his welcome with our generation as he went, how dare you be watching people play video games rather than watching the cinema? I mean... Am I completely opposed to that sentence? And the answer is not really. It's not wrong, but I think it definitely would have continued to get him a lot of shut up and go home, old man. It's the it's the same feeling that I get when I see someone like... I think someone recently linked me like whatever internet video essay guy did like a four hour video about iCarly. And I'm like... You could watch Jean Dalman in that time. You could watch 2001 A Space Odyssey two times. You could watch the Snyder Cut. You shouldn't watch the Snyder Cut, but you could watch the Snyder Cut. Ellie, I can horrify you. Go on. That iCarly video is the first half. The first half of a two or three part retrospective on that series. (sighs) That's not a complete work. I, I am not horrified. I'm just disappointed in all of you oh yeah that guy's psychotic uh, i i don't know who that guy is i just got the video link to me uh he's the leftist q quentin something <laughs> the leftist q you're welcome hey i could say the cursed word and really make you want to just jump to the next song go on i'll speak it like it's asmr bread too We should make like a bread tube drama podcast or something. I'm sure there's like no, we material. For no, we some, should. I for w- some reason, YouTube now keeps recommending me like TikTok drama channels. I don't know why. I don't know what I've done to YouTube to be like, I want to know about Logan Paul. But it's doing this to me now. And uh, we should do the same. We should do the same, but with fucking contrapoints or whatever. Oh, let's not... Shall we move to the next song? Yeah, let's. All right. Next up is Ass to Ass. Ass to Ass! Also, I got an ad for Wonderside anti-kid spray for your lawn for this. And what does that say about the people they think are watching starting line videos? I mean, that they're, they're in their, like, 40s? Yeah, that's probably true. Just, I love the idea of an anti-child lawn spray called Wonderside. As in, kills wonder. <laughs> That is a 
pretty good name, but you could just get one of those like little noise thingy that only young people can hear. Oh god, I love it. Just the idea of just putting up a little subsonic thing that only children and dogs can hear outside your house. Oh, they... A lot of people do that in the UK. What? Yeah. It's a thing. To keep kid to yeah. keep kids off their lawn? Like kids and teenagers, yeah. Young people. What? Okay. Okay. Um this this song has some real desperate lyrics, by the way. Sorry, are we not gonna talk about how this song starts with Chipton? I mean, I guess we could. I was still kind of shocked by Wonderside when that started for me, so I might have been numb to that. That is fair, but this song inexplicably starts with Chipton, and I'm like, huh? <laughs> and it doesn't come back in the song. It's not like you start with this weird Chiptune synth, and then they become a team during the song. No, you just have like this weird Chiptune intro, and then it's not brought up ever again in the song. It's great. This is like, what if the Ataris were, you know, we'll get to the Ataris in like a couple of years. The, a lot of this record feels like, what if the Ataris were worse songwriters? Which is not because of the cheap tune, because their name Atari is that that's an unfortunate. Cheek to Cheek is a very strange song that uh continues to have that teenage desperation. Remember when we talked about Sum 41 sounding very immature, but at least their songs had more than one note to them? Mm-hmm. This is the guy that nobody wanted to take to the dance rights as an album instead of the guys who are shoplifting and occasionally joyriding in a car. Yeah, I feel that's a very different... As an adult, I can appreciate and enjoy more a song about I'm immature and I just, like, knock down um, letterboxes with a baseball bat or whatever than I'm immature and my GF left me and she's a bitch. Like... One of they're both like immature thing, but one of them actually has some like I don't know like get up and go spunk. Yeah, it's like theoretical fun that you can get from it, and it's not gross. The other one is like, ooh, you sound like fortune. <laughs> this album is soft boy fortune music. More nights of hugging my pillow, replaying memories. Please sing a song for me and tell me how you'll never leave my side. I'll meet you at seven. I miss you already. Yeah, it is. This song has no flow to it. And then we get to that last chunk where it definitely becomes it's not me, it's you. And I tried so hard and I've done my part and not to mention most to all of yours. I want to play a game with you right now, Ellie. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to throw this out there. Let's pitch a new segment. What do you think 20 years of listening to music that sounds like this does to a person's brain? Like, 20 years of Linkin Park, okay, maybe you'll be a little gruff and out there, but you're not getting any weird, toxic message. What do you think 20 years of the starting line does to a brain? I mean, Nick Robinson. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think we did it. We cracked yeah. the code. Good night, everyone. Yeah, I think that's a new metric we should apply to some of these bands, because I think we could find some real, like, let's play the make up a guy game, except they're horrendous, terrifying Hannibal monsters of the week. To be fair, 
I don't know if there's any piece of media that you've only consumed that piece of media for 20 years makes you like a well-adjusted person. Ellie, Kingdom Hearts was right there. <laughs> that just makes you trans, though. <laughs> that one just makes you trans, though. <laughs> one disc makes you transition. And one disc <laughs> is Halo. I don't know what this is anymore. Oh, Can I we was move doing. To the next song? I was doing White Rabbit by Jefferson Starship. Yeah, I know. I just don't. I'm talking in the abstract. I don't know what this is anymore. Well, how about we get on to the second My Ex is a Whore song, Hello Houston? Yeah! This is, um, once again, Kenny Vasoli, the lead vocalist, wrote this track, still about his ex, Karina. He is quoted as the same thing. He really had beef with this woman. Yeah. Is she the one without a car? Uh, she is the one without a car, as opposed to when you wake up in a car and chase away the... <laughs> I can't think of more of those lyrics. <laughs> I will never... Uh, what What was that band, Wake Up In A Car? What was that band? Let me find out. Save The Day? Something Corporate. Was it? Wasn't that Save The Day? That was Something Corporate, Woke Up In A Car. Okay. Well, I woke up in a car. Did we like Something Corporate? No. If you see Jordan... All right, those guys. Yeah. I might not be a pop punk expert yet, but I can definitely catalog failure. <laughs> I mean, yes, you can. Um, oh, yes. Uh, oh, so th my notes on this song is just, I, I was filing my nails during the song, so I didn't notice. So I forgot that it was happening. And then I noted down that filing my nails while listening to pop punk is the kind of experience they missed in the 2000. Um, I also have a ace flag colored nail, so that's cool. I mean, you realize that I'm taking notes on a clipboard which has a trans pride haro, a disaster pan sticker, and uh, a reference to excellent queer comic Oh Human Star on it, so. Sure. It's also got 7,000 flappers. Mm-hmm. I'm a stereotype. No, we're also... I'm, I'm gonna fucking buy fucking programmer socks whenever I get money. Well, stereotypes are great. I am not doing the socks thing. No, I refuse. I am 100% doing the sock thing because fuck it. No. I am not doing... I'm not doing the choker thing because that's not my vibe, but the socks, sure. I am getting weird tattoos and I have 7,000 pins... There is, right here, a snowboard kid's pin on my desk that is going to go on my work bag. Are you getting, like, a Bahasha or whatever the shark thing from Ikea is called? No. Mostly because of the fact that 
I did see the couches, and some of them are interesting designs, but no. They look like they would be miserable to sit on. Oh no, the Bahaja is like a shark plushy. That's really big, and apparently that's a new trans stereotype. I don't do big plushies. Everyone else in the house does them. I don't. So this song is another angry, passive-aggressive phone call at a distance track. And also, I definitely hate you should never call someone sweet thing. Yeesh. I'm Southern, and even my family will not use the phrase sweet thing to describe you. Yeah, no, I mean, you use it to people that you don't like to show how unlikable you are as a character if you're the villain of a movie. You should especially not use sweet thing if you are a 19-year-old male. Sweet thing, sweet thing makes you sound like you're trying to be the Heath Ledger Joker. Sweet thing, I hope you know I'm wondering where you are. Do you know what I can do with a pencil? Do you want to know how I got these scars, sweet thing? Was it with a pencil? I mean, I do actually have that. I've got a chunk of lead stuck in my thigh from, like, when I was in fourth grade. Someone stabbed me with a pencil and broke it off in there. You you are a collection of interesting stories, Sybil. It's actually kind of miserable because there's just this black spot under my skin that is too deep for me to get at, but it's not life-threatening, so no one really wants to stick out a thing to cut this out of me. So... And it's just at the wrong angle for me to try self-surgery, because it's like I'd have to be in a fucking pretzel like a yoga master. It has made me angry for over 30 years. <laughs> well, then, do you have any... <laughs> decisions, decisions. Also, the next track, Decisions, Decisions, definitely tells you uh, some of these boys might have come from a little bit of money for their age. Hmm, that's interesting. My main thought about Decision, Decision was that the end of the last song goes, but you and I both know that this is the end, and then the album continues, and it's like, that's, that's ludonarrative dissonance, I think. <laughs> You're not even doing that one regularly anymore, so it just punches me in the gut when you do. Uh, the cadence of this one sounds like the Atari's... I've forgotten the name of the song. The big grown-up isn't half as fun as growing, growing up. up. That track? This is the... Yeah, I love the track. <laughs> yeah, this is... That's what the sound and delivery on this sounds like, but it is so very opposite in tone. And there's a thing that really clicks with me here, which is half of these tracks are, oh yeah, girl, we're, we're just calling each other and talking every night, or I'm calling you and talking to you at night because I'm too much of a chicken shit to say things to you in person. But then there's also multiple tracks that are just like, 
God, I just keep sleeping with you and our bed is this horrible wasteland that feelings can't cross. Maybe they had multiple songwriters? Who knows? It's possible, but it's just very funny that some of this greatly resembles what I remember in this era. Some of this seems like y'all are, um, y'all are really spending a lot of time shacked up in each other's houses, huh? My only note for this is, well, aside from the chorus is fun and has like a sort of like the tempo slows down, the guitar goes a bit chugga chugga. It's sort of a newfound glory thing, but it always works for me. Um, My only note after that is just like, sometimes you get no GF. Deal with it, twerp. But also, this is a spoiled little rich shit song because, and this laptop falls along with me onto my bed while rolling over. Break my heart or break my fall. Who had a laptop chilling in their bed while they were sleeping with a girl in 2002? I mean, 2002 laptop. I didn't have a 2002 laptop. I had a 2007 or 8 laptop. Those things were bricks. Those things were big. You don't just use those things in bed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. This was an era where a laptop was going to be somewhere between five and eight pounds, have a screen, um, maybe if you're lucky, as big as a tablet these days. And if you bump into it, it is going to be a solid wall that will wake you up as if you had just hit something with your car. Yeah. So not good to have in bed, especially if you're doing things. Well... If you're sleeping, it's bad. If you're doing other things, it's really bad, I assume. Um, I can definitely tell you from experience, no, don't jack it with a seven pound weight on your chest. (laughs) I mean, some people might be into that. You don't know. Yeah, but there are better ways to do it than a laptop. There are just vests for that. Is this what weighted blankets are for? You'd better believe it. Is that what the term wet blanket comes from? No. Okay. (laughs) Being honest, rather than completing the bit on that one. No. (laughs) Speaking of things, uh, one that really takes on a weird tone after that is the lyric, The last time I saw you, you were standing by his side. The last time you saw me was a crumpled photograph that missed the bin. You know who else is crumpling photographs and things and missing the bin? Mr. Seven Pounds on my chest. (laughs) Also, is this admitting that he was stalking her because she did not see him? I think it's more... Okay, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt, having done this before, it's... I saw my ex while I was out in public, but she didn't care about me, she was happy with someone, and I was alone. Rather than... I've been watching you in the bushes, and sometimes I see him come in your door. I mean, you can make good songs about that. The the Mountain Goats have a good song about that. It's called Distance Stations. It's from All Hill West, West Texas. It's pretty good. This is a Cure track, Pictures of You. But I do... There is one line in here that makes me crack up every time... I can't wait until my heart mends so I can finally go outside and tell myself, well, Ken, it's better to have lost love than paint a smile and pretend. Sure, dude. (laughs) Whatever. And every time I read that, I just think 
of the little dork from Digimon going, Well, Ken, it's better to have lost love than paint a smile and pretend. Wormmon, we're going to kill someone. Why? Why do you think about Digimon? Because Ken is just such a weird little purple sad boy. And remember, that kid tried genocide at the age of 12. This is not even the song where I thought about Digimon. There is a song where I thought about Digimon here, but it's not this one. Oh, now I can't wait to hear. How about we go on to the next one? Saddest Girl Story. favorite song of the record. It sounds really good. It's like faster, the drumming is great, it has this almost um, almost newfound glory drumming on this, there's more energy. I feel this is the most memorable song on the record, it's just like, it's fun. It is pretty much the starting line 182, this is an extremely blink sounding song, but, but it's a good blink song. Cannot, can, cannot like argue with that personally, it's just like, it's a Blink song, it's fast, it's good, it's fun, um, and it's delivered with the same level of competency of the rest of the record. I really enjoyed this song. I agree with you. I definitely think this is one of the best. I think lyrics are a little weak, but I'm also being cruel to it because I've heard everything else they've written on this album. If you put this in a void... This could just be a very, yo girl, you gotta not keep going back to the same guy track that works from a lot of other people. There's a way you pitch, okay girl, I'm gonna, like, if you need somewhere to go, my couch is open, that's very supportive of a friend. And then there's the way it's put in this song, which is, stop expecting change, he's just a lost cause that you're waiting on, take a look around, you could have anyone, so leave undeserving him. It only hurts at first, but then you'll find someone to give you everything you want. Try not to go running back to him. Yeah, not ideal. <laughs> so, so disgusting. You could have anything from some people you know. Don't go back to him. Honestly, like, lyrically, um... Dudes should not be singing this kind of songs, I'll be honest. <laughs> it's, um... It always, <laughs> Again, I think a little more maturity means you can handle stuff like this perfectly fine. I think both of us could imagine a Jimmy Eat World song that touches on this and doesn't leave us going <sighs> the whole time. A Jimmy, a Jimmy Eat World would not make you feel like the singer is like an actual person in this narrative. Like, a Jimmy Edward would probably see this way in a way more, like, third-person perspective, where it's like, this is a story about this girl that needs to get out of this relationship, rather than, I am the pathetic friend who's like, he's a jerk, I'm a nice guy. 
Hey, Ellie. Remember when Lit did a better song about a girl in a bad situation than this? I do. It's just incredibly funny to me that of all the artists we've been through, Lit actually came out pretty good in the end, even with a couple of weird 2000s missteps. I mean, Lit came out of it having killed a homeless person and um, and having a horrible second record. Third. Horrible third record? I think that was their third record. However, they now have country music awards. That doesn't make it better for me, but I have not grown up in America, so I don't understand country. I'm just saying, if the starting line were to pivot into country songs, I don't feel like it would be a positive. I feel like it would be a very Toby Keith, red, white, and blow me style. Um, Last Coast Envy? Ah, yes, the song about a Seattle non-gender, Left Coast Envy. (laughs) I tried making up like seven of those, but after a certain point, they became very, very painfully stretched. Also, this is another all-time genius annotation. Genius annotation for this song. I can't remove my own annotation, frowny face. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) I it's love it. so good. I love this presentation. This is clearly like one guy who did like all of the annotations for this like whole record, and uh, and no one cared enough to like review them or like delete this one. I love it. This is a person who's been on multiple records we've done for this show. What's his namey? What's his namey? If you're listening to our podcast, if you somehow listen to our podcast, you can come in as a guest. You're great. I appreciate your work. You could pick any album you want off our chart. Let us know. We'll work with you. Because you have you have a fun vibe. And I'm sorry that you can't delete your annotation. I know that can be quite distressing when that happens. This is one of the longest tracks on the album, and it's weird that there's, like, about a minute of instrumental in it. Yeah, I'll be honest, this is the part of the record where I start, like, paying less and less attention to it. I was like, it's fun. The guitars are fun. Probably was still filing my nails by this point. It's not really fantastic. It's definitely... We have to fill a quota before the end because it's the 2000s. We can't just make a 10 album or 10 track album. Yeah, it sort of has all of the guitar tropes of pop punk. It does a lot of the things that like Blink do and that Newfound Glory do. Like most of this record. But it's fun. I mean, I'm not... Newfound Glory uses those tropes better, but I'm not just, like, taking point out of them for using those tropes. I love... I I actually really like Newfound Glory. So, you know, it would be hypocrite for me to say that this is not enjoyable. It is very much enjoyable. Just not that memorable, like most of this record. Hey, I was just showed something in the middle of this that is wild. You want to hear a story? <sighs> Yes, please. I presume you are familiar with 
the podcast Retronauts by Jeremy Parrish and others. I listened one episode once and it had terrible audio quality, so I did not listen to them anymore. That's fair. They just, you know of it. Vaguely, yes. Apparently, sometime in 2017, when the, you know, podcast had existed for most of a decade, mm -hmm. uh, someone filed trademark on the word Retronaut. And then they lapsed and abandoned. No one ever did anything with it. And it was filed for an Irish whiskey. <laughs> and this this just came up. Ed Parrish found screenshots of this while they're trying to go through legal paperwork for the show. Well, I, I'm sure. I, I have to know how someone came up with the word retronaut for a beer that never came out. <laughs> I mean, it's not an answer that I will be able to provide you, but now I'm wondering that too, so thanks for this mystery. That's amazing. That's just made my day. Uh, shall we talk uh. about the drama summer? Oh, you mean anytime it's 90 degrees around Sybil? when I thought about Digimon. I knew it was going to be when I looked at what was left on the album. They say Summer War, but you cannot say Summer War, and then I think about Summer Wars, and then I think about how it's basically a remake of that one Digimon movie. You know? Sometimes, summertimes, you know, that's how this goes. Anyhow, this is the acoustic song. It has an interesting distortion on the guitar, or like weird tone going on but then it's just like an acoustic slow song and um, I just tune out this is the one that caused me to coin the term ethereal in a bad way to describe this band hmm this is the shadow version of the Cocteau twins <laughs> god no I'm not <laughs> no bad Sibyl I'm just trying to imagine what is the most horribly accented way I can say, no, that's not me, in a feminine voice? And that's what summons this song. <laughs> oh, God. I wish we were listening to the Cocteau Twins. Uh, do you have anything to say about this song? Because it's sort of just like a boring acoustic song. No, this is, this is completely bland. There's nothing to it. And it's so repetitive, and I can't even come up with anything funny about it. My eyes roll around and over and again, falling down, dizzy with sunstroke. Guess I'll call or see you around. Guess I'll call or see you around. It's fine. Let's go, let's go to the final song. We have one hour and 40 of footage recorded, or audio footage, re footage recorded for this record, and it's more than it needs.
this has another great annotation. This song features Finch vocalist Nate Barkalo, who does screaming in the background. Yay! We love Finch. <laughs> I like Finch. Oh, same. This song feels like what plays in a house party in a sex comedy. This ride? Yeah. We didn't say the name of the song. Uh, it has right. a good intro. Fun guitar. I like how the guitar sort of mimics the rhythm of the vocals. I think that's very creative and that's not done a lot in pop punk. Mm-hmm. Rather than just having a constant rhythm, it sort of does the staccato thing, but following the rhythm of the vocal melody. That's fun. The chorus sort of sucks. It sounds yes. like a, it sounds like a chorus of like when a new metal band tries to do a ballad. Do you remember new metal ballads? They were a thing. Yes, I continue listening to Buttfest. But without the, without even the new metal edge, so it sort of sucks. I don't like the chorus, but it's a fun song. It's good enough. It's a good closer. I have a question that you can answer, Ellie. I hope I can. It's what I started thinking of when I was listening to this track, because I started thinking, yeah, this would be the background track in a 2000 sex comedy house party. Sure. Do you think if Sora ever hits puberty, he will go to parties? No. I, I don't... What do you think he will do? Because Riku I... is a club kid. You can tell by how he dresses. Yes. Um... What is Sora going to do as a teenager? Maybe play sports? I did get some jock energy off him, but then how do you do the jock thing but not the party thing? I I just think it would continue. Like I don't think it would have a normal... Ch- he's too dumb to have a normal teenage... He's like me. He's too dumb to have like a normal teenage years. Uh, I, I think it's just going to continue having adventure in, in weird Disney worlds. I think that's just his life. Follow up. What happens to Kyrie? I think he will wake up when. Oh, Kyrie. Kyrie. I don't. I don't know. Eventually, she, she's basically just like a cupboard with like a keyblade hanging from it. I think. So eventually, <laughs> I don't know. Probably gonna be brought at like whatever you bring old furniture to, like a dump. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think Sora will just wake up one day in his 30 and realize I cannot continue going around swinging my keyblade at 30. I've wasted all of my life. So what you're saying is Sora is going to open a chain restaurant and or become a car dealership guy when he's too old to, you know, deal with more CTE head injuries. And then probably stab his keyblade through his heart again, this time less successfully. Yeah, I mean, it... I mean, I expect the game to get there because they don't have any sign to be stopping with the sequels, so... I mean, will it get there? I mean, he literally doesn't speak in the latest one. Doesn't he? Not in Melody of Memory. Oh, well, the uh, Melody of Memory, that's true. To be fair, he's missing. Yeah, he just shows up as a ghost with no voice. <laughs> he's like... <laughs> he just shows up to avoid Kyrie to get any characterization. Yep. It's great. It's like... Oh, they're trying to make Kyrie a character. No, they're not. Here's Sora. You like Sora, don't you? Let him solve the situation. Also, fictional worlds. Fictional worlds! <laughs> I love it. <laughs> It's 
it's not a word of light and or darkness. Therefore, it might be a fictional word. <laughs> it's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Thank you, Kingdom Hearts, for continuing to exist. <laughs> Look, Kingdom Hearts <sighs> is great. Do you have any more 2002 facts? I do. I do have one more 2002 fact. Uh, 2002 would have been the middle of the Ishinomori Productions international move where they were trying to license the works of the recently deceased Shotaro Ishinomori for international use. They wanted to pick up these licenses, let other people do things with them. So there was a very embarrassing Cyborg 009 Western comic. There were attempts to get multiple movies off the ground based on his stuff that went nowhere with Hollywood. And this was also the era of digital animation starting to take over for cell work. So there was the tragic, I wish it was better, but it's not, uh, Cyborg 009, the Cyborg Soldier anime, which, if you look at it on the new Blu-ray release, you can tell very much where they were cutting corners because they didn't know how to do digital work. Because backgrounds will be like Mega Man 1 pixelated. Nice. I, I don't know what this thing is, but thank you for talking to us about 2002, Sybil. Uh, and I think we can go to our final thoughts here. I think we're done. I think we are. In a dry dirt outside The door of my motel room It was a triangle with soft rounded edges And a split down the middle of one corner It was darker than English moss Green like the soft frills of a peacock's So, the starting line 182, say it like you mean it, this record is completely fine. It's a 2.5 for me out of 5. It's very competent, very listenable, really decent guitar work, some good drum work. Um, the singer exists. Uh, I, I think I dislike it less than Sybil. I think singing is fine, it's just not outstanding at any point. The vocal melodies are okay, the choruses are okay, everything is okay, like it's perfectly fine, but it's just not very memorable. This record is fine. It's not... the lyrics are iffy in places, but again, we've heard worse. Like, yeah, this is a bit insanely and it's fun to make fun of, but come on, it's not... it's not even the worst that you get from this genre, so... I don't know. Do you like pop punk? Give this a listen. I I assure you that you won't listen to it more than once, but it's fine. I, I had it playing while I was cooking yesterday, and it was fine. It kept me company. So, you know. This was perfectly fine. It's true. I, I don't know. Will we see more of them? Let me check our list. I think so. They have two more records. Um, I hope so, because I didn't do the ending history. Yes, we have 
two more albums from them. This is better than Sugar Cult. I don't know. Sugar Cult gave us more to discuss. Yeah, but Sugar Cult was bad. <laughs> like, I enjoyed yes. listening to this record. I was in pain listening to Sugar Cult. The thing you have to realize is that I am just shy of being a Cenobite in terms of where the line between pleasure and pain is. <laughs> so I will take your terrible album so much more than a bland album. I want to feel the lyrical knives slip into my skull. Uh, that's fair. What are we do talking about lyrical knives? What are we doing next week? Well, it won't be knives. It will be weapons fire, however, because My Chemical Romance is bringing us their bullets and we're bringing them our love. Yay, My Chem. I, once again, I, I, I'm happy for My Chem, but I don't think that record is that good, but it would be fun to revisit it. Same song, different chorus. You can if if you enjoy this, I don't know why you would enjoy any of this. But if you enjoy this, you can find us on our website, which is goes to to note. Getoutofthistown.com. And if you want to tell us off, um get out of this town podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at GGOOTT Podcast. Follow us. Tweet at us. Um, you can find us on iTunes and Spotify on Google Play. You can read and review us if you're on iTunes. Do that. It helps. And uh, yeah, next week we will talk about Mechanical Romance. And uh, just once more. Yay! One year. One year. You happy? One year of this, Sibyl? Yeah, I enjoy doing this show. Now let us cut to a great montage of all of the sweet comments that our fan left us for one year of our show. The joke is that there's nothing, no one cares. Although people did pay money to get us to do things. Yeah, that is cool. Well, it's not cool, but you know. I thought it was fun. I have ethical objection to that. By the way, do you have anything to plug, Sybil? You can find my work at hellscaper.com. It links to anything else you might want to find me at. And you can find me, as always, on Twitter at ACCTheMoon. And uh, if you want to support us, we do not have a Patreon. But we do have one whole year of pop-punk podcasting experience. So, Pitchfork, if you're listening to us, like, give us a call. Hire us. I can get so much more pretentious if you need that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I can talk about, like, I don't know, y you can talk about Bjork, I can talk about weird fucking industrial ambient. We can talk about pitchfork shit. We're gonna do three hours about the Murs box. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we, we can talk about Oso Oso, which is apparently the only emo album that Pitchfork liked in, like, five years. I liked Oso Oso. They're fun. How do you feel about Shuju, who are an art pop shitpost? <sighs> Good night, people. See ya. What's on your mind? Not like I've got the time to stick around. I'll catch my flight like a pop pumpkin. Get out of this town. What's on your mind? There's no point left to keep.
Reach down, was terrified.